Welcome back to another sci-fi podcast where we're going to examine how you think, feel, and behave with money. But before I get there, I want to give a little ad, a little commercial for this wonderful thing that we're doing here at Redstone Arsenal on Wednesday, September 20th. It's going to be at the Community Activity Center. It is in person only, and there will be multiple giveaways. It is called the Benefit of Intention, Learning and Leaning into Wellness. It is a wellness summit, and we hope that you think about attending. Registration details can be found in this post, but just to kind of tantalize your senses, get you excited about wanting to to come and attend. We will have an opening plenary session provided by our very own Valerie Francis, who is a health promotion program manager at headquarters Army Material Command. And by the way, this is brought to you from Army Community Service, where we are partnering with several folks around the installation. Let me mention my coworker Timothy Rolf. He is our Family Advocacy Program Manager. He and his team have put this wellness event together, so he deserves a shout out for that. And so there will be a free lunch and a lunch session, Connect to Protect, Support is Within Reach. September will be Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And our very own Carolyn White, Employee Assistance Program Coordinator, will be teaching that lunch session. And then you have several breakout sessions to choose from. I'll be teaching one. It's called the Life Altering Checkup, Assessing Your Financial Well-Being. And I will be talking about financial well-being at length today and in the next episode. But this particular breakout session is going to be you getting your own assessment and then building a financial action plan or a financial treatment plan on an individual level to improve your financial well-being. Then we have the pursuit of happiness, practical steps to enjoy your life. That's another one brought to you by Ms. Carolyn White, EAP coordinator. Then we have gratitude attitude, embracing joy and well-being through thankfulness. That will be taught by Miss Denise or Wanda Gil- Gilbert. She's with our Army Substance Abuse Program. And we have flexible meal planning for busy people uh, with the well-sought-after Heather Huff, who's a dietitian at Fox Army Health Center. And then we'll have two others that are extremely popular. Let's Talk Stress. Actually, three others. Let's Talk Stress, Don't Lose It, Handle It. That's by our very own military family life counselor, Ivan Taylor. Let's Get Physical, Incorporating Exercise into Your Wellness Routine, Minus the Stress. And expanding your reach, implementing stretch and massage into your wellness routine. Gosh, I wish I could attend all of those. But I'll be teaching as everyone's enjoying their classes. So let's jump right into it. Financial well-being. So this is a research study that is kind of a pioneer study when it comes to financial well-being. It was run through or overseen by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and their whole mission is to promote 
consumer awareness and financial literacy amongst Americans. So they have this wonderful research study and have created a financial well-being assessment for anyone who wants to take it. And I'll be sure to provide that post or that that link in the post. But this was kind of its the first of its kind research. So the first is, you know, let's talk about the definition of what financial well-being is. And this is according to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Financial well-being is a state of being wherein a person can fully meet current and ongoing financial obligations, can feel secure in their financial future, and is able to make choices that allow them to enjoy life. What a wonderful definition. And Boy, what a wonderful place to be. And by the way, this is going to be a two-part. You guys know I like the two-part episode because I know your attention span is usually limited to about 20, 25 minutes, so I need to break some of these up, especially uh, with a research project. I, I geek out over these things, over the design, the implementation, the outcome, and their findings. It's just absolutely enjoyable to read and get into these things and then present it to you, the consumers um, and folks who are wanting this financial well-being as well. So let's first in this episode talk about their key findings. And by the way, any good licensed professional counselor or therapist or clinician is going to remind you that any assessment is a picture in time. And also, this particular assessment is a subjective analysis, because when we think of well-being, it's a very subjective state of being. It's not an objective analysis where we're actually looking at data and metrics and facts. That would include your cash flow statement, your net worth statement, and your credit report and your credit score. So those are all objective analyses, but well-being is harder to define because there are so many, and as you'll find in the key findings here, it it involves so much more than data and metrics, and that was the most exciting thing that they found. So first, let's talk about this. There is, first key finding, there is wide variation in how people in the U.S. feel about their financial well-being. We just talked about that. Now, here's the average financial well-being score amongst U.S. adults, 54. It's on a scale from 0 to 100. Let me go ahead and preface this right away. I'm considered a financial expert. I'm also a licensed professional counselor, and I feel pretty secure and, I, and, and have great freedom in my financial well-being. But I didn't score 100 Okay, I didn't score in the 90s. I didn't score in the 80s. So this is a very subjective scale. It's not about getting an A. It's not about getting 100%. It's just a tool for you to realize where you are and then from there decide. And and let me just go ahead and give you my score, 69, okay? Let's just put it out there. So the average score is 54. If the average American is scoring 54, and I'm only 15 points above that, I think we're doing pretty good. I mean, but again, this is a subjective analysis. So, and and it might be, and and we'll talk about the, the subjective causes or predictors that go into 
how well you will score in a financial well-being assessment. It'll, it'll become clearer as we go on. So about a third of all adults in the United States have financial well-being scores of 50 or below. But two-thirds are between 51 and 100. That is promising. Oh, I love finding those silver linings. So I'm going to quote something that is said in this research study. Quote, while it is possible that one or more of these factors may influence how individuals perceive their financial security and freedom to make financial choices, it is also possible that the reverse is true, that financial well-being influences one or more of these factors. And these factors that we're going to be talking about are savings, financial literacy. So it may not be the savings that's causing you to be financially well. It could be your perceived financial well-being that is causing you to engage in saving behavior. This is amazing. So here's another key finding. Financial well-being scores reflect real differences in underlying financial circumstances. So there are going to be people who are struggling to make ends meet who have a higher financial well-being score than others who are not struggling. Isn't that amazing? Here's another key finding. Financial well-being scores provide information beyond traditional financial measures. So psychology comes in to challenge these perceptions. The same financial well-being score can reflect a diversity of circumstances, conditions, or perceptions. That's a quote straight out of their research study. Here's another key finding. Savings and financial cushions provide the greatest differentiation between people with different levels of financial well-being. Oh, let me repeat that in a different way. When you have savings and you have a financial cushion, you have a higher financial well-being score. They said that's the greatest differentiation between people with different levels of a score. So here's, I'm going to quote them. Quote, of all the factors that we examined, disparities in financial well-being are greatest between subgroups that have different levels of liquid savings. The average financial well-being for adults with the lowest level of savings, which is less than $250, is 41, compared to 68 for a financial well-being score for adults with the highest level of liquid saving at 75000 or more, end quote. Let that key finding sink in. Rewind this. Listen to that again. And again, and again, having savings and cushions in place can improve your financial well-being straight out. Here's another key finding. Higher levels of financial know-how, confidence, and certain day-to-day money management behaviors appear to have strong and positive relationships with financial well-being. I'm going to be talking more about those particular things in episode two, but I really want to hone in on this. This is about things that we can control. 
So when we remain focused on what we can control and we actually do the things that we know we must do to improve our financial security, to improve our financial freedom, is automatically going to secure or improve our financial well-being. And remember, financial well-being is a very subjective state. It includes a lot of different psychological factors, which we'll be talking about soon. Another key finding Many financial and demographic characteristics are associated with financial well-being, but several are not. So let me give you a little insight into this, just a little blink before we go into it, full-fledged as we go on. Employment status, income, and educational attainment all seem to have a strong relationship with financial well-being. However, let me go ahead and break your bubble or burst your bubble. There are plenty of folks with lower income that have higher financial well-being scores than people with a higher income. So people with higher education seem to have higher financial well-being scores, but you also see a disparity where folks with lower educational attainment have higher financial well-being scores than other folks with higher education. That says so much. So there's so much more to this. So other sociodemographic categorizations do not appear to have such a strong relationship with financial well-being. For example, no differences were found in average financial well-being based on your U.S. region. Isn't that nice to know? It's not just rural or inner city populations that are struggling. It happens everywhere. Or it's not just more affluent cities where people are have higher financial well-being scores. It is and can be found in rural settings and in inner city set settings. Because again, this is subjective financial perception, different things that we're doing. Here's another one. No different. Well, there is little difference, and actually, there's no difference. Let me repeat that. There's no difference in the average financial well-being between men and women. And let me quote them here. Quote, and while we do find some differences between financial well-being or various racial ethnic groups, these differences are relatively small compared to the differences between subgroups based on financial experiences, attitudes, behaviors, and skills mentioned above, end quote. So the difference in financial well-being scores is relatively small amongst racial ethnic groups because the research shows that well-being is mostly tied to behavior. And we also have to account for many minorities scoring higher than non-minorities. So it depends on what we're doing. And that's why I started the Sci-Fi series where psychology and finance collide to understand and to examine how we think, feel, and behave with money because it's those things that are impacting our financial security and freedom and therefore our financial well-being. Not the color of our skin, not on educational attainment, not on how much income we're bringing in. It's all over the place. It's quite subjective. But 
In episode two, we're going to get to if you're not scoring high enough as you would like in financial well-being, how to get there, and it's all behavioral based. So I'm going to quote another thing here. Quote, even when there are large differences in the average financial well-being between subgroups, some people in the lower average score subgroup still have higher scores than many people in the higher average score group. End quote. And I was just talking about that with people with differing education levels, income levels, whatever your race, whatever your your gender. This it's it, we're going to have differing scores based on our perception. So I want to point out to you one of the biggest things that I found here in this research study. And listen, I combed over this study and um, our PAO representative here could, could vouch for what I'm doing. I, I have highlighted this thing. It's a huge stack of paperwork. I mean, I have combed through this and geeked out several times over to provide this information to you. So let me tell you something. Even when an individual is a member of a group that is perceived to be at a disadvantage, there are several compensating factors or strategies that are offering other opportunities for these same individuals that boost their financial well-being. So we can't just judge someone's financial well-being based on what they look like, based on where they live, based on how much money they're bringing in, how much home they have. Let's, let's look at these factors. Okay, so all of these factors that I'm about to talk about have nothing to do with income. A lot of people think I don't make enough to have a good financial well-being score. That's a lie because confidence is a huge self-efficacy factor when it comes to having a higher financial well-being score. So for those who did have confidence in their ability to achieve a financial goal, scored 63. While those who did not have a high confidence in an ability to achieve a financial goal scored at 50, below the average. You can't pay for confidence. You can't buy confidence. You can't, you, you have to, it's something that you create from within. And a lot of times it's changing your scenery, changing your environment, who you're allowing to speak into your life. That's where confidence changes. Here's another one. Having a habit of saving. Those who had a habit of saving scored 60 in their financial well-being, where those who did not scored 48. Those who had effective day-to-day money management behaviors, and we're not even talking about being a certified Dave Ramsey or being Dave Ramsey, because I guarantee you, if Dave Ramsey took this financial well-being assessment, he would not score 100%, because we're all human. But just by having effective day-to-day money management behaviors, those folks scored 61 where folks that did not scored lower at 48. For those who had a plan on the horizon for five plus years, scored at 59, where those that didn't scored at 51. If you have the propensity to plan for finances, you score at 56 versus those that don't at 52. When you have financial knowledge, 
you score higher at 58 versus 51. But listen, when you have financial skill, that's when you turn that financial knowledge into action, where you have the financial knowledge of knowing if I take out a cash advance on my credit card, here's the amount of interest that I'm going to pay, and the financial skill being I'm not going to take out a cash advance on my credit uh, credit card because I won't be able to afford the interest, they score 60 over those that don't have financial skill at 49. So I, I, I'm sorry, y'all. I know I'm passionate. I geek out over these things. It's fun. I just have to tell you, the more you know about financial well-being, the better off you're going to be. And, and just taking a look at this, and this is what I'm going to be talking about in this financial well-being class that I'll be taking, providing in a breakout session at the Wellness Summit that I mentioned at the very beginning of this episode. I'm going to be helping you improve your confidence. I'm going to be giving information on how to improve your habit of saving. I'm going to give you effective day-to-day money management behaviors as you call them out to me, what what you think your barrier is. We're going to help put a treatment plan or a financial action plan together, highly individualized for you. And it will be even more individualized for you if you come and see me for an individual session. Remember, you can reach me at 256-876-6299 here at Redstone Arsenal. And this is available for Team Redstone employees, folks who have access to Redstone Arsenal. And listen, not just employees. If you are a family member of a DOD civilian or of a military member or reservist or a guard member uh, or a retiree, or if you're a retiree yourself and have access to Redstone Arsenal, I can do this individually for you. I'm also in this class going to help you understand how to plan a horizon, a financial horizon for five plus years and boost your desire to plan for immediate finances. Looking and understanding what a cash flow statement is, what a net worth statement is, and what a spin plan is, and therefore increasing your financial knowledge and encouraging you to go out and use that financial knowledge, taking action to boost your financial skill. I hope this has been helpful. I hope you've been just as incredibly intrigued with this research study as I have. If you have any questions, you know how to find me. Take care.